That's right, they're playing video games for money. And I'm definitely not gonna let uh, Mass Effect in my house. The level of violence on video games. It might be hazardous to physical and mental health. Pokemon world is a world of the demonic. Then there's the argument that video games can be art. They're a world phenomenon. Welcome to Hit Point Pals Lite, the less powerful but more portable version of Hit Point Pals that does not connect to your TV. I'm Travis Lean. With me today are Caleb Warwick. Hello. And we have Rebecca Markley. Hi, friends. Uh, William, he's off on a Final Fantasy 15-esque road trip, so he'll be back in a few weeks. But until then, we'll still be here to talk about things. Speaking of things, uh, Rebecca, you did a thing recently. I did. That wasn't a very good transition. Rebecca, you made a thing <laughs> recently. I wanted to I wanted to let you talk about that for a little because I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but I got it in my mail today, and I think it would be cool if you talked a little bit for our listeners about these cool things that you make. Um. All right. Well, thank you. I'm really excited to talk about zines. Um, for people who don't know what zines are, it's like short for magazine. And they're little like booklets that you make at home, or I guess you can, you know, like go to your library and print there if you don't have a printer at home. But they're supposed to be like a really lo-fi booklets, um, or I guess like chat books or comics, and they're just like a really easy, cheap way to produce a lot of like published content that you kind of get to publish yourself. I'm really passionate about independent publishing. Because I think it's a great way to like combat, you know, corporate media and a lot of like other sort of like political and philosophical reasons. But at the core, I like zines because they're fun to make and they are just anything goes, everything goes. And that's just kind of like fun to experience. Um, Portland, where I live, has a thriving zine community. Um, a lot of like sort of crossover with kind of like the punk scene and very like alt media, lots of like anti-establishment kind of um, publications. Um, Bitch Media is headquartered in Portland and they originally started off as a zine that, you know, they just like printed on the library and just like passed out from the back of vans, you know, for free. And so that's pretty cool. Um, I just published a zine called Brave, which is about everyday acts of courage. And it was probably the biggest sort of like zine undertaking I've done yet. It had the most, I guess, diverse amount of like contributors. Um, I had a couple of people who are like real hardcore writers and that was kind of a lot of pressure to be under. But um, I'm really proud with like the final product. My friend Madeline did the illustrations and I think it's like absolutely beautiful and um has a lot of like it's really a, it is a very nice cover yeah and i love the paper make sure you like feel oh, it yes. it's so creamy I did feel it. yeah i spent a long time looking for the paper and was like ah oh, this is perfect um so yeah there are stories in it that range from just sort of like sexual assault to saying i love you for the first time to kind of deciding to like have an abortion to like a, a third grader perspective of meeting new friends um, and wow, yeah, it, it, it was, it, when I started the idea, I imagined it to be a lot more like a lighthearted 
but that's not at all what happened. And there was like a really big reckoning I had a couple of weeks ago where I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I want to do this. Everything is so sad. And then I kind of like figured, well, I mean, I guess that's kind of like the point is that you face things that are scary and you come out on top. And so just kind of like focusing on the other side or kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel is what's important here. And so I can kind of like explore these really heavy topics and it won't feel like torture porn because it's in the like because the point is to get through it and to like see what sort of things you can accomplish despite being like terrified or I don't know like completely overwhelmed. I mean, these are oh. people who are uh, telling real stories about themselves, right? Yes, they are real experiences real personal experiences. I'm sure there was some artistic license here and there um, mm. with details and, and, and that kind of thing. Sort of like creative nonfiction is kind of like where I would kind of like place it. Um, I'm, I'm excited to sit down with this when I have a second. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are. I finally got some feedback today from other people because it arrived in the mail for them and stuff like that. And I was just really like overwhelmed with like all the the positive feedback because I feel like I was just so concerned about how people would receive it um but yeah I guess I'm I'm probably just being too critical on myself it's probably great and amazing um <laughs> but I'm going to be selling them and then a couple of other zines that I have at the Portland Zine Symposium which is happening in like a week and a half which is why I've been so ridiculously busy my printer has been like going nonstop whenever I'm like at home. Cool. If people oh, well. want to check out this stuff, where can where can they go look for it? Um yeah. yeah, you can check out my Instagram. It's at zines and things, all one word. And then or my website, zinesandthings.com. Um yeah, and they are there for sale. And I will be posting another sort of project that's gonna be launching on Saturday. We're having like a big party at my co-working space, which I'm really excited about, um, for a chat book that I am publishing for one of my friends. It's called Portland Heat. Um, so if people want to stay tuned for that, um, it's a wonderful collection of, of poems. That sounds exciting. Thanks. Thanks for letting me like jabber on about it. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I just wanted to know more about it. Yeah. It was mostly for me. I was being very selfish. Should we bring we we haven't done shoutouts in a long time. Should we bring those back? We used to do shoutouts at the end of the episode. We used to be like, "This is where you can find me on the internet," and then I kind of forgot. That sounds fun. We, we should do. We that. could do that for Rebecca. Yeah, just for <laughs> me. No, I'm, I'm and my we zines. should make it a thing again. We should all say our we should all say our Twitter handles or something again. I have a Twitter handle that I can pronounce now, so I keep so I throw change money. It like every couple months, but. <laughs> Throw your expendable money at Rebecca. Just throw it. Yeah. That direction. It would be great. There were some statements made this past week that I thought were very striking from an indie developer. Are you guys at all familiar with the website G2A? Yes. No. Okay. This was so, when I was looking at the, the outline. I was like, oh, I have no idea what this is. So please enlighten yeah. me. And I, I figured I, I figured between us, maybe Rebecca, I would need to explain what this is too. And I thought that would also be good for me to kind of do some research and try to figure out like what G2A says they are and what other people actually say G2A is. Because I have my own preconceived notions about what G2A is based on 
uh, the news and my own experiences with G2A. So I will touch on those a little bit. But um, just to give people kind of the basics, well, I should start with what happened. So game developer Mike Rose of the studio No More Robots, he tweeted about a Google search that he made for one of his games and how it brought up a lot of Google ads for G2A. Um, he noted that you couldn't disable these ads, like some some Google ads you can click on and say, like, I don't want to see this or whatever, and it'll tailor it to your uh, personal interests or whatever. And he, for whatever reason, on this particular ad, he wasn't able to do that. But what he was most upset about was that when you did a Google search to buy one of his games, like one of the first things you'd see is an ad to buy the game on the website G2A. And he said that he'd rather people pirate his games than buy them from the website G2A, which I think is a, a pretty strong statement to make. There's a lot of reasons for this. So G2A is a, what, what they are and what they purport to be is a seller of game keys. Um, and game keys can be uh, acquired in various ways. Like most digital services like Steam, you open an account and you buy a game and that game is automatically loaded into your account. But Steam also lets you activate uh, keys. And so like, for instance, one of the like actual and good places that you can buy verified keys is a website called Humble Bundle. Um, they're a cool organization and they donate a portion of the sales to a charity of your choosing. Um, oh, yeah. This isn't about Humble Bundle, though. I was just trying to give an example of uh, like how people buy keys and where keys come from and uh, a, an example of a place that actually sells valid keys uh, and works with the developers and publishers to get these keys. G2A, on the other hand, doesn't actually sell keys, but they are a marketplace website, so they take a cut of, of user sales. They're completely driven by or they're completely run by users who make accounts to sell keys, users who make accounts to buy keys. Um, it's basically just a, a market space for people to come on and sell uh, keys. And so you might be asking, like, well, where do people get all these keys? And the answer is usually not very legal places. So, like, yeah. sometimes you will buy, like, as a as a as maybe a, a reasonable example, like, you buy a Humble Bundle and you get a bunch of game keys and maybe you already have some of the games, right? So then you've got, like, some leftover keys, right? So, like, where do you go to sell them? Like, you can go to G2A or something, sell your leftover keys. That's like what they try to paint the website as, but what it really turns out to be is a lot of people who are gaming the system, a lot of people who are using stolen credit cards to buy keys in mass and sell them on the website. G2A, they make most of their money from like taking a cut of sales and they have a lot of dark pattern stuff like using their checkout to try to sell you extra features like customer service protection and stuff. Oh. They have a thing called G2A Shield where it's like when you go to check out your stuff, I think it, it usually says like, do you want to pay like an extra dollar or so to have G2A Shield, which guarantees that like if there's a problem with the key, like if it comes back invalid, that they'll help you take care of that. Uh, they also sell it as a subscription service, so you would pay like $2 a month or something. They, in the past, they have boasted partnerships. I don't know if this is still the case, but they've uh, advertised that they have a partnership with internet personalities like PewDiePie, who is arguably the biggest uh, YouTube gaming personality out there, uh, esports organizations like Cloud9. This is all information that I was looking at uh, on an article from 2016, so I don't know if they're still partnered with these organizations, but there's been a lot of validity granted to G2A just as far as like their status within the, the internet as a place where you can actually buy keys and buy them for cheap, but from people who are trying to resell them, almost like an eBay, but instead of selling real physical products, people are just selling game keys. And in 2016, 
there was a user who made a YouTube video. It was titled Den of Thieves, and he kind of broke down a lot of what goes on behind the scenes of people who are selling these keys at G2A, which kind of sparked a kind of one of the first controversies about G2A, kind of bringing it into a more mainstream eye and making a lot of people aware of what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, one of the things that Mike Rose, the guy who kind of sparked this uh, new controversy, said uh, one, one of the points he really wanted to drive home was that when people buy these keys on G2A and they are bought with stolen credit cards and then people go in with their credit card companies and, and uh, what is the word for when there's been fraud on your credit card and you like try to cancel the purchase like the game developers would end up getting chargebacks from stolen credit cards that were used to activate keys and so they would uh, on their end game developers can in some cases deactivate these keys which leads to them having to spend a lot of valuable time working with customer service with people who have bought keys that they didn't know were being purchased with stolen credit cards and having their games deactivated and it basically it has caused a huge headache which mostly impacts indie developers uh, people who do not necessarily have the resources like some of the bigger studios to deal with all of this garbage. What happened after that was G2A made a blog post in response to the new controversy saying that they would reimburse devs 10 times the money uh, on chargebacks if they could prove that they had lost any money. And then in a BBC interview, they later clarified that their claim only applied to keys that were sold from the developers themselves. So they didn't really say anything they just kind of said some stuff in hopes that it would quell some of the controversy and then the kicker was uh on monday a lot of journalists received offers to run a pre-written article defending g2a in exchange for money uh the article basically just said it is a transparent and just review of the problem of the stolen keys reselling g2a was trying to get a bunch of outlets to publish just an article talking about how their website actually isn't bad and so that was out on twitter screenshots of that email um people didn't actually do that obviously <laughs> be pretty embarrassing if someone had done that right g2a said that the email was sent by a rogue employee which doesn't make any sense no <laughs> no yeah that that employee went rogue mm -hmm. what the fuck does that mean there's no, there's no good coming out of that situation, honestly. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about it in terms of, like... Like, one of the things that G2A said, let's say that petition goes... Okay, this is part of a tweet thread, so the, the out of context, that doesn't make any sense. Let's say G2A decides to stop selling indie games. Sellers would move to the next platforms. There is... I'm reading this verbatim. There is, like, 20 of them, and then to eBay and other marketplaces. Which is basically them saying that, like, well, like, even if they did stop selling, like, indie keys, or if G2A didn't exist, there would still be another place that would flare up because there is a demand for a space for people to sell their keys. Um, and unfortunately, I think just a big side effect of that is that all these smaller developers end up in this situation where there's not a lot they can do. Um... I mean, like, there's always going to be credit card fraud, and there's always going to be people... It, like, it can be an ethical place to buy and sell stuff, but that's just not what it is, and that's because of, I don't know, human nature and also not good regulation of mm -hmm. the website. Uh, and I don't think... I don't... Um, from what I know, like, eBay, you know, for example, if somebody sells, like, a stolen... 
I don't know, car on eBay that eBay can't get in trouble for that. It's going to be the person who um, is selling the car that gets in trouble. And I think the same thing applies for G2A too. So essentially G2A can't necessarily get in trouble for any of that stuff happening. So people just kind of have to stop using G2A for it to go away. Right. I mean, they facilitate a space for people to like, they're, they're very aware that a lot of the activity on their website is fraud, but they don't do anything about it because that's their business model and that's how they make money. Exactly. Exactly. That's so shitty. Like I, no, it really is. Then like, I feel like G2A is like also complicit in fraud, you know, like if they are profiting off of the fraud that, that that's happening, regardless well, they, of like, they, they yeah. I mean, yeah. So like, regardless if they are, you know, encouraging it, they are still like complacent and they are still definitely benefiting from it. So like why, I don't know. I, there should be the like some, some saying, lawsuits happening. The thing they keep saying is that um, the consumer base doesn't understand its like way of sales. It doesn't understand what G2A is and like w what is G2A then? Explain to us. It doesn't like, like they don't under, like the people who are buying the keys don't understand that like they yeah, are well, purchasing. And the developers who are angry about it don't understand is what they. Yeah. Oh. But it's just kind of obvious like G2A knows. Come on. G2A definitely knows. I, I guess I just don't understand why, like, there aren't, like, lawsuits happening. Accusing. I mean, I don't really know exactly. Like, I'm not a lawyer, so, like, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I know anything. Yeah, but I mean, like, we, I don't know that lawyers actually know anything either. So, like, we would have to try to try to formulate, like, where would the lawsuit come from and what specifically would it be about? Like, would it be the developers suing G2A for, and then what would, what would the, like, what would the basis of the lawsuit be that they had, they had lost money, I guess, from, like, chargebacks and chargeback fees? Because that was one of the things that one of these developers was talking about, how, like, they wouldn't just, like, not get money, they would lose money because their, like, payment processing companies or whatever would end up charging them for these chargebacks. Yeah. And it makes sense why that developer's like, just pirate the game. We don't want to give, don't give G2A money for it. If we're not going to make any money from it, exactly. They'd rather pirate the, game. pirate the game. And because that's kind of its own self contained thing. Whereas if you were to buy a stolen key on G2A, that would potentially cause a lot of headache for the developer. And then it would also, yeah, exactly. like, it fines them, you know, mm -hmm. because if they are getting chargebacks from the card processors, Gosh, that's so that's So shitty. Yeah, it really is. I used to use and, G2A like it, this was like a year yeah. or more ago. And like the, it's a competitive marketplace. And if you're looking for a game that like happened to have been sold in like a humble bundle or another bundle at one point or another, like you could get those keys on there for like less than a dollar sometimes. Um, and like more expensive games, they would often be at like very competitive prices. So like it was very compelling for me to buy keys off G2A every so often um exactly like just get a really good deal w when controversies came up and stuff like i would tell myself like oh, i'm not gonna use this website anymore but then like i would <laughs> every once in a while um so i'm part of the problem uh or i used to be i guess i really haven't in in quite some time the the, the last time i used g2a there was this thing that happened g2a started like they started charging people to keep their accounts open like a monthly fee of like a dollar or something. What the heck? Um, and so that sparked a lot of backlash. Um, and I went, all right. And I went in and just deleted my account. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I yeah. don't think I had a payment like on file or like like a payment method on file because I think I I never saved that info. So like I don't think they would have been able to charge me anyway. But just like that was fucked up. So I just deleted my account. G two is actually one of the first marketplaces that I was introduced to when I started with um, PC gaming. Hmm. And I mean, it like you said, it was very compelling. You see all these like AAA games that are like five dollars and. Like just crazy prices, and I'm like, whoa! And I, you know, I'd buy a bunch of them, and then I have them on my Steam account and everything. And then the last controversy I heard, I just deleted my account, deleted my debit card information because I got kind of worried about my debit card and stuff. Um, I think my computer just saves automatically, so yeah, that's why I was like, I don't know about G2A, <laughs> so I just deleted my account. And- I feel like there are like certain companies that are very successful at what they do and that they kind of have this uh, sort of like a monopoly over whatever area it is whether it's like amazon or facebook or google and right and like like all of these companies are like inherently corrupt like i i feel like if g2a were to shut down if it was forced to shut down or if they or if or if the ceo of g2a said i feel very bad about this i'm going to dissolve the company I feel like another key reseller would just pop up and it would also become very popular and its executives would also become corrupt with money and power because that's just kind of how things happen in the world that we live in. Yeah. Because of capitalism. I just wish there were like better (laughs) platforms for everything from like videos to social media. But like... I don't know. They just like when something is good at what it is, like YouTube is the only accessible video platform that is free for sharing video, like then it just takes off and then the people in charge just go nuts. I wish there was like a way to sort of like counter the fraud if there was like a holding period of like a couple of days where like they can verify if like the payment went through or something like that, just so you know, like, on G2A's side, where, like, they, I don't know, could be responsible. Well, would that cause, like, a delay on the user's side? Probably, but... Because then no one would use it, because the point of getting a key is to just go in and activate it right away. Like, there's no way I would buy a key if a website told me, like, you may have to wait two days to make sure it's not fraud. I meant, I guess, from the people <laughs> selling the keys. So, like, if you, if, like, a person was selling a key, then... It would take two days for like the sale to go live or something like that, where they could, you know, you type in the key and there's like a sort of like a cross check thing and they wait for like notification. Because I feel like that's what happens when you like on um, sort of like financial apps and stuff like that, where they like, you know, like they do like a test deposit to make sure that you're not like, you know, like for like Venmo and stuff like that to make sure that you're a real person and you aren't, you know. It's not fraud. So, like, why... Mm. I feel like these, these systems exist already and that are, I guess, I, I, I hope that they're... Like, I hope that they work to sort of, like, verify identity and verify if, like, you know, the financial institutions that you're using are, are solid and, like, the bank account is real and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you could still have a marketplace where, like, people sell the keys that they want to sell the only thing i'm thinking about that is like if g2a cared about that side then they would do that but they obviously anything don't that would like slow them down from 
making money i don't think they're interested in and another thing too is like um even if essentially a person can have like a completely clear record of like financial institutions and stuff like that and have id check all that stuff but um one thing that i guess can't necessarily be checked is where they got the key from so they can necessarily or they can almost like have all that stuff and then get a stolen key somehow and sell it still make money look clean and the developer loses money still that's that's kind of what i see too the other thing uh the other source of keys i forgot to mention but it's like a common scam where people will hit up developers asking for free keys because they say that they're like they're game reviewers or they're like for a, like a like a gaming website or something and that's that's just their way of like scamming a handful of keys out of these developers and then going and selling them and develop that it works pretty often um because the way I've heard developers talk about it is like they're so busy like they don't have time to verify everyone's requests so oftentimes they'll just and they want to get their games out there and so they'll just they'll send keys to a lot of these scammers for free because they don't know any better. They don't have the time to verify these people. Um, and they don't have the resources to verify these people. So that's how a lot of keys also get onto Humble... Uh, sorry, get onto G2A. That's so, like, shady. Just like, oh, pretend to be, like, an influencer. Right. <laughs> I think that's a problem in itself, though. Yeah. Also, pretend to be an influencer. Is it... <laughs> I already see so many weird things with regular influencers influencer culture is bad and wacky it is i wonder i guess it's unrelated to the topic never mind i guess they use influencer marketing to like for like clout and yeah we're fine because pewdiepie i mean i don't know why you would ever trust anything that pewdiepie is doing but whatever well, I mean, it's just the rabid fan base, so... Yeah, that's true. And it's usually young people. Like, I remember when I was a wee lad. <laughs> Xbox was just everything to me, man. I'd kill for Xbox. Now I look back and I'm just like, what the hell was I thinking? How old were you? Uh, I was 19. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just remember being a huge Xbox fanboy for some reason. I don't know why, but just like I had, I just attached onto it. And then I just remember like when I got a PC, I sold my Xbox because I had all the games that I wanted on the X- on the PC. Just like fanboying and, about. Yeah. I was just like, things. oh man. And then my entire life changed. Yeah, I guess like I'm trying to think of like who was popular on youtube when i would be of like prime influencer sort of like audience base and i don't even remember i used to follow like freddie wong and rocket jump because they would do oh freddie wong yeah vfx videos and like now they're they're very successful and they don't really do youtube at least not in the same capacity anymore it's very different Mm -hmm. when you like i feel like youtube is just very different now um, yeah but i guess would you have like i don't know would you have like gone over to like team 10's house and like wreck havoc on the neighbors with like i feel like that's not a related question <laughs> i'm just thinking of just like the the, the extent oh, of you're like thinking of crazed fans yeah oh, you're thinking like, of like fans who just get so head over heels yeah that they like do like this ridiculous mm. stuff yeah, or their influencer. I mean, no, no, that never I consider would have myself. To me. 
I consider myself a little bit sane, though, so <laughs> I would never do anything like that. I would just, like, get defensive about Xbox <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I was just, like, insecure about Xbox, realizing <laughs> that PS4 is, or the PlayStation just, like, ten times better than it. But, um... Oh, like, you would get like, in fights with people about, like, what console was better? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I was one of those kids. That's Trust me, yeah, I am definitely not that that's anymore. That's, like, very innocent and also not very productive, so... Yeah, yeah, but then now and you aren't hurting I, now anybody go, by doing this, <laughs> right? Um, not that I know. Not that I guess I know. that's true. You you don't know everything. But now, whenever I look at comments, I like specifically look for like console war arguments, and it always ends in like death threats. And oh. I have no idea why it's so funny to me. Like death threats aren't funny, but just like when people start arguing about a console and what's better. And like what loyal, like what loyalty they have, and ending into death threats. I just think that's so funny. It it shouldn't be funny, but it really is to me. I mean, I feel like there's a there's a quite a bit of like absurdism there. You know, that's just kind of like just people misspelling things in comments (laughs) left and right. Like I'll kill you. No, I'll kill. I know, just so funny to me. Like oh man, there's so many. We should take but, a break. Um, yeah. <laughs> Console wars. We got really off topic. That's okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the Steam summer sale and how it angered uh, gamers and more, more angry developers. So that'll be fun. Angry gamers. I have my Latin fusion passion fruit maracuay. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Drink right next to me right here. Stuff on the internet about a Starbucks drink called tie dye, which I feel like no tie dye, like a tie dye shirt. Well, no, I was going to say like Tide Pod one. The taste that I associate with the look of tie dye is like Tide Pods. (laughs) Like it looks like soap. That's what tie dye looks it, like. It looks like a very pretty but soap. It's fancy. It's fancy. Doesn't matter if it's soap. It's fancy. Right. I feel like it, they're just you know like the the limited only while supplies last sort of like drinks like the unicorn one or. It looks like it's so bad for you. The other things. I feel like I did have a unicorn frappuccino because my friend really likes Starbucks and so. I didn't. I just used a limited. gift card because I was like, I'm not gonna. Yeah. Spend my invest. real money on this. I'll spend people's other people's money on this. Holy crap! Sixty grams of sugar, though. Oh man! And we're back. <laughs> 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 Caleb, did you buy well, anything during the Steam Summer Sale? Yes, I did actually. Did you participate uh, in the Steam Summer Sale racing event? Yes, I was part of Team Corgi. I was too. We- and we won every time, basically. No, there was there, uh, the second day that I was looking at it. I don't. I'm not sure if it was the second day of the sale. It was the second day I was aware of the sale. We lost like big time because like I think people were mad uh, about how hard Team Corgi won. That they like attacked Team Corgi with the slowdown, like overwhelmingly. Oh really? Yeah. But I think I every think other I joined day at a we weird won. time. I didn't realize that the race was a thing. I was just buying games because I wanted to buy. 
these games. Well, my but... my second question is, did you understand how that event worked? Nope. Not <laughs> like I, I, I saw that I had a lot of coins. So I was like, oh, cool coins. Right. And then so what I did was like, oh, I was like, oh, that means oh, cyberpunk is in the in the victory. No way. I got to start buying the games that I wanted to buy. So then I started buying a lot of games and oh, no. I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I got 100 coins. I'll just put it in Team Corgi. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I didn't win a single time. I didn't even get Cyberpunk. That's messed up. That's all I want. I didn't get anything either. Actually, did anybody get... I got Did anybody a, um, win games? I didn't win a game. Well, yes, people won games. I I I saw on the uh, the Steam Reddit, people were most oh. show, showing the games that they had won. I I had like spent enough money, I guess, during the sale to get like a enough coins to redeem like a five dollar discount. Five dollar. <laughs> so I bought a game that was less than five dollars. So I just got it for free. It was the night before the sale was ending, so they were going to expire. I figured. So oh I yeah, just, I bought I. I used that too. Um, I got, was it South Park, The Stick of Truth, and the Fractured Butthole or whatever mm -hmm. um, combination pack. It was like 10 bucks. So I used the $5 pack and got like two $60 games for $5. So I was like, oh, all right, that works. So people were mad because the racing game that was part of the, that was on like the, the homepage of the Steam website was very confusing to say the least uh it talked about using your points to boost your team and using your points to slow down other teams and all i know is when i clicked on one thing it would take me to a page that was full of other things that seemed like they were very unrelated and i it seemed like there were multiple tiers of points and that certain points were going to expire and certain points weren't going to and that if you had spent enough money you could redeem points to increase your point cap it looked like at one point so that you would get more points each day that you could use to boost your team or slow down other teams i'm not sure how any of it worked i just looked to see who was in the lead every day and usually the corgi was the longest boy on the graphic that's all <laughs> i know people were very irritated and uh valve apologized uh, due to not just that but also developers were very irritated. And the reason developers were irritated, especially small indie developers, once again, are the ones who lose here, um, was because Steam said, the way Steam communicated their giveaway thing for the Steam Summer Sale was, you have a chance to win the top games on your wish list. Now, I wasn't... So, at one point I knew this, but I had definitely forgotten and like a lot of people weren't aware that your Steam wishlist has a built-in ranking system. Caleb, were you? Are, have you been aware of this? <laughs> no. Okay. I just kind of put things in my wishlist. Yeah, and like my wishlist is clogged up of like a like a dozen or so games that I'm looking for like price drops, and then like another couple dozen that I'm just waiting to see to get a notification when they're released. That's what my wish list mm. is. So it's just a, like it's a it's like a mess. It's not like a Christmas list. It's not like I wrote like this is my top game, this is my second game, mm -hmm. and apparently nobody else did either. And nobody even really knew that they could do that. And so because in everyone's collective minds there was no ranking system on their wish list, what people did was they thought about 
the value of the games on their wish list, and they thought about the giveaway, and they thought about the fact that if they had lower-priced games on their wish list, smaller, like, indie games, they figured, well, I don't want to win these. I want to win, like, a AAA $60 game and get, like, the most value out of that. And so people started in mass just de-wishlisting all of the small games on their wish lists. Uh, the smaller developers were seeing this happen. <laughs> the smaller developers were seeing less sales due to that. Um, and they were very angry at Steam for not communicating properly what was going on. So Steam released some new information, some tweets and stuff, trying to trying to make sure that people knew that, hey, like you can just reorganize your wish list. You can put the expensive games at the top. You don't have to delist all of the smaller games, but the damage had already been done at that point. Um, and there was a lot of irreversible consequences from that mishap. One developer, uh, Jim Rosengall, a developer of Sir, You Are Being Hunted and The Signal from Tolva, he said, we're down 4,000 wish lists on 2,000 sales. We should have about 2,000 more, is what he said. And then uh, a representative from Clockwork Giant Games, he said, Steam's message to users to stop deleting wish lists did not make any significant difference in the rate of our deletions. On top of that, developers have been angry with Steam, just in general, not even related to the sale, for a long time uh, about behind-the-scenes changes that Steam has been making in their algorithm. Uh, people have been noticing that Steam has been pushing f like negatively rated AAA games, more expensive games, over smaller indie titles that are more positively rated. This is something that people have been noticing since last October. Um, and that's a very business-driven thing, right? Like, Steam gets a cut of sales, so obviously they would want to push the $60 games over the $20 games, regardless mm -hmm. of whether or not they're good. Um, see, this is why the Epic Store is good, and Steam is bad, Caleb. <laughs> um, another thing that people pointed out was that uh, some developers wanted to give Steam a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and attribute their low summer sales to just an overall trend of low sales throughout this year. There were developers, I believe the developer of East Shade said that he profited pretty well from uh, this Steam summer sales. So it was kind of all over the place. Like a lot of developers are very outspoken about how they felt the summer sale was negatively impacting them. Others didn't feel that way. So it was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, just more overall impressions to me at least that steam has kind of become this clumsy giant that really like any decision they make has a huge impact on a lot of people's lives a lot of people's financial stability and just clarity people need clarity is my main takeaway and i wasn't <laughs> clear uh with simple things like you would think that the like the promoted game that they do every sale would have made sense but like i saw like a long corgi and other shorter animals i have no fucking clue what was going on with that so. <laughs> um what was the game last year i totally forgot this happens quarterly right there's a like a there's a fall sale there's a winter sale there's a spring sale this happens every quarter am i just like missing out on all these steam like, See, I think no, no, no. the big Steam ones games, I think are summer and games. winter, and I think there's a small spring sale and a small fall sale, but I think summer and winter are the ones that they really dress up their store and they put on these big promotional events. They give you this like 
this fake currency that's like you got your steam coins or whatever you got your winter pig truffles and you can <laughs> turn them in for like the funny emotes and the funny emoticons that you can use in your steam chat and your profile backgrounds and whatnot i just think that's so funny just sort of like the gamification of a sort of store. like a store yeah it's kind of like well, i don't know I like mean, black friday but but like businesses have like loyalty mm -hmm. systems and stuff so it's like it's not that bizarre it's just it's it's taken to a funny extent I yeah think. where like you have teams and right right like they, <laughs> no one has they, any really idea like, what which, the which team doing. spends the most money wins like i just think <laughs> i feel like that's just well, super, no it, it wasn't strange. inherently like that what was weirder is that like you could you could like you pay money and you get points um through the sale for like you know buying a game on your wish list or something like that but you could also get steam achievements so like um some points you earn are like points you get by getting an achievement from within a specific game that's on in your library and stuff like that it was really weird oh they, they, like, they've been doing that for a while these incentives to like oh play yeah, yeah, yeah games during sales or like do certain actions in games to get very specific I didn't know that. I've... But I just thought that was interesting to, to like get more points towards this game that nobody has an idea that they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what's funny is that like people are not sure exactly what the rules are and suddenly the Corgi's winning, but... <laughs> I know, so then everybody sees that the Corgi's winning and goes to the Corgi yeah, team like, like myself. You. Like you, the entrepreneur <laughs> I am. Oh, like, so then, in all honesty, it asked me to pick a team, and I just picked the corgi, because I thought the corgi was the nicest-looking animal. I didn't even look at who was winning. Well, yeah, it's like the corgi out of all the other animals. Yeah, it was like, you, you want to choose between a, a corgi or, like, a fucking tortoise? It's like, I'm going to pick the corgi. Corgi every time. I guess it would depend on, like, so what had... the art looked like. That's true. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a so big the dog corgi. fan, so maybe I would pick the tortoise. Mm-hmm. Depends on mm, how cute well, what it was. It they would be. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing tortoise? Wait, ha, ha, what's the plural of tortoise? Tordai. Tordai. Tor <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. It, well, it is. Tortoise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who's been playing games? Do does anyone have anything else to say about the Steam Summer Sale 2019 spectacular? I guess I wonder why some of the smaller developers like didn't make as much money is it because like they weren't getting it was because like wishlists were getting cleared out and so i think that's yeah weren't, like i think wishlists yeah i think wishlists um sales are super important for indie developers uh, I'm, i heard that somewhere i don't know exactly where it was but that's what i heard and it's like you add this game to your wishlist and when the steam steam summer sale comes up you get an email saying uh or not even just the Steam summer sale, just the sale in general. You get an email saying like, "Hey, this item on your wish list is on sale," so it gives more of an, more of an incentive to buy it. Obviously, while you're adding it to your wish list, you're not going to buy it at that price more than likely. So, yeah, because that really sucks. Big sad. Big sad. Who's been playing games and would like to talk about them? Me. What games have you been playing? I've talked about Metal Gear for like the past two podcasts. I'm still playing Metal Gear. I'm on Metal Gear Solid 4, but I think I'm going to refrain from that until I'm just like done with all of them. So um, I've played 
I've been playing a bunch of indie games on my um, Steam library, and one in particular is called Katana Zero, and I've been loving it and also getting really mad at it, <laughs> just because it's it's pretty hard. But uh, are you guys familiar with Hotline Miami? Um, what is a game that Hotline Miami is like? Shoot. Because well, I, I was going to say this games, game is there's like there's some games Hotline. I've played that people have. Like William, when I was describing the game, he said like, "Oh, it's like Hotline Miami," and I'd be like, "Oh, okay, like, I haven't played that." So in Hotline Miami, you have like you go into a level and you have to like, for example, kill everybody in the room without getting. And if you get shot once, you die and have to restart the whole level, kind of thing. If you get hit once by anything, you restart. That kind of thing. I don't know how to explain. It. It's like a top-down, um, sh- like stick shooter kind of thing oh twin stick but shooter. um yeah but you you just die oh ape like, out well, he said that ape out was a lot like hotline yeah Miami. yeah yeah ape out yeah that that's a actually perfect comparison okay. ape out. um but katana zero is really interesting because it's a side scroller that takes that concept and they're both devolver i believe hotline miami and mm-hmm. katana zero the music is amazing it has like a retro 90s 80s um electronic soundtrack um even just like the vibe of the entire game has that like kind of like blue um neon tint kind of vhs vibe i don't know how to explain it like cyberpunky um but the the story of the game is really intriguing and i find that really interesting for like a side scroller just beat em up type what is what is the story of katana zero uh it it's one of those uh, games where the story unfolds as you play. You're playing as a guy, just a samurai with a sword, and it's like in the distant dystopian future, and he's on this drug called Kronos that allows him to basically see into the future and see into someone else's mind of what's going to happen, how he's going to die, stuff like that. So that as a gameplay mechanic where you could just restart the level to try it again without getting hit. Um, and it brings a bunch of um, interesting mechanics even to the story like you go to this casino and you're going to play roulette and you're like alright do you want to bet on red or blue and you're like I'm going to bet all on red and you lose so then you rewind go back in time and then you bet on red and then it wins and yeah just kind of really cool stuff with the story and really cool stuff with the text dialogue because it's it's a text dialogue uh, I don't know 16 bit type game mm-hmm. um, soundtrack is amazing Gameplay is very, very solid, and I highly recommend this game. Just just play it sometime. It's not super long, but it's fun. It's super fun. It can get frustrating just because it tests your abilities, that's for sure, but I highly recommend this game, Katana Zero. Other than that, yeah, I've just been playing a lot of... Um, I beat Breath of the Wild. I'm sad. You're sad. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I don't know. I just got lost in that game, and then now I beat it. I mean, I could obviously go back, but I just like. But it's an open you know, world game. It. Yeah, I know, but you can still I don't know. hang out, right? You can still hang out, yeah. But I thought I, I, just, I thought Breath of the Wild like more than most open world games, like because you you get that mission at the beginning to defeat Ganon, so it's like it's just mm-hmm. another thing. Like I I don't. I, I like I haven't gotten there yet, so I guess I don't understand. But like I, I thought I figured that like once you beat Ganon, like it would just feel like just another sort of thing. 
and then you could continue doing whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, I guess that's the thing um, you could do, but just, I don't know. I beat it after sinking like 200, 300 hours into it, and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to take a break from this game for a while. Is that your but actual I, logged hours in that game? No. Okay. I have like 150 hours, though, which is quite a bit of hours. My actual logged hours is like 150, but it's a great game. I love that one. Uh, that's all That's all I'm going to say about Breath of the Wild. So, Katana Zero and Breath of the Wild. I have a couple games I can touch on very briefly. I was just poking around. Rebecca, do you have any anything yeah. that you want to talk about? Um, I Since I mostly play games on my computer, um, <laughs> and my computer was being used to like print things um, excessively, I played a lot of phone games. I played a lot of Mini Metro. Oh, wow. Um, I saw that there was a new map in Mini Metro. Yeah, there is. Um, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still like at Cairo. Because I feel like I like to play each level until I'm like good at it and then move on to the next one. So <laughs> go kind of slow. But um, yeah, I'm just playing a lot of Mini Metro just to like pass the time. It's a very pleasing game. I guess you sort of like create fake subway systems. Yes. <laughs> In like different cities around the world, and so you sort of just like have these little, like little shapes that pop up on the screen, and they kind of like represent the stations where they are getting taken to, or I guess the stops, and you connect them with like a a colorful line, um, and then these other like smaller little like black shapes pop up, and they sort of like indicate like where the person needs to go, and then you just sort of like wait, and you lose if you have like a stop that gets too many people. Um, yeah. Oh, so they can't like collide or anything. Um, they can't get the stations can't get overcrowded. Yeah, they can't get overcrowded. It's very stressful, mm. in my opinion. IMO. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty stressful, but I like the music and the sound effects. I think they're very nice. Um, the first thing that I thought of when looking this game up on my phone right now was Plague Inc. For some reason, was what? Not Plague Inc. Oh, Plague Inc. But, That's kind of yeah. it's similar. It's like. You're trying to do things quickly and efficiently. Um, you're not really building an infrastructure in Plague Inc., but True. you're just kind of trying to make the best decisions on the tech tree so that you can um, kill everyone as efficiently as possible. <laughs> I had to I... stop for a second and think, what was the goal of Plague Inc. again? Oh, yeah, to just murder everyone, <laughs> right? Completely wipe out humanity. But in a very systematic way that does yeah. make you think. I really like playing your... Mini Metro when I'm on public transportation because I feel like it's like a fun sort of like meta experience that I can like giggle about to myself. Um, <laughs> people look at you funny. You're actually controlling the metro. Yeah, that would be terrible because I'm, I feel like <laughs> the game is not at all like real life and sort of just, I guess, a traffic engineering. True. Like I don't think, I don't think that there's any like overlaps aside from like you're pretending to be a, um, you're, you're pretending to build subway systems, but yeah, it's very abstract compared to like a Sim City or City Skylines, where mm -hmm. you're kind of literally building traffic infrastructure in, in like a a pretty realistic to to real life way. Yeah, because yeah. there aren't really like they're just they're, they just get faster and faster with like more and more people, and like that's what's challenging. It's not like 
it's not the same every single day, you know? I guess there are kind mm. of, like, rush hours. Are there? I wasn't sure. It kind of felt like it to me sometimes, but I also thought that, like, if that was a system that the game would be, like, rush hour, like in cooking games. Yeah. It's, like, it's lunch. <laughs> you gotta serve all the customers real fast. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I thought there was a rush hour, but there maybe it was be. just in my head. and I was anticipating the rush hour. Right. The, the funny thing about that game to me is every time I start a level, I just, it's so simple and I am, I have so much confidence and I'm like, of course, there are these stops. We're just going to build these, these very efficient routes. And then within a few minutes, I am just very overwhelmed and sweaty. <laughs> yeah. Because the dots have popped up in just stupid places. Yeah, I feel like I do a lot of, like, pausing when I have to, like, reorganize, like, all of the lines um, because it was just not working. Hmm. I'm thinking because, like, I don't know that I've been aware that there's a pause. Oh. Or, like, I've been just, like, to challenge myself, I just have sworn off the pause button if I was mm -hmm. aware of it. Like, I don't do that. Maybe that's why you feel like this game is more relaxing than I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's very pleasing and very fun. Um, I don't ever get, like, mad about it. Because I, you know, you can see it when, like, the, the, the station's, like, filling up and you're just like, oh, no, there's nothing I can do about it. Like, <laughs> the way I have my route set up is, is pretty shitty. The carriages are full, but I think it's but fun. People keep going. Yeah, and I feel like it's the only phone game that I actually, like, listen to the music because oh, yeah. I like it so much. But what about you, Travis? What games have you been playing? Yeah. Uh, I poked around in a couple of indie, 2D, lo-fi-ish games. Uh, one of them's called... It's called Valhalla, but it's spelled funny. It's, uh, it's, it's called Valhalla, a cyberpunk bartender action uh, game. Excuse me? It's VA-11 Hall-A. And uh, in this game, it plays, I think it might be considered a visual novel, like it plays with a lot of text, linear interactions, but there is like a, there is a gamey component where, okay, so you, in, in a cyberpunk realm, <laughs> you are a bartender of a tiny little bar, and customers come in and you have to make small talk with them, and you have to serve drinks that are like fitting to them and so there's this little drink mixing menu where you can look at the little handbook sort of of drinks and like what traits of of people that they serve best and so it's just kind of up to you to mix these drinks and alcohol to appease the people who are here to give you money so that you can pay for rent and your bar lease whatever it's called Huh. It's it's very relaxing. There's a jukebox that you can switch the music on and there's all this this funny uh cyberpunky vaporwave type music. It's very it's very fun. I I'm not very far into it. I just I, so far I just really like the aesthetic. So, I'll keep playing it and I'll see if the story is any good, but uh yeah, so far it's been pretty straightforward. Just kind of chat with the customers, mix some drinks and Oh, one thing I found funny was, like, uh, when you start up the game, you get this, like, screen. It's It literally says, like, 
this game is meant to be very casual and like a relaxing experience and it says like grab a drink and some snacks before you sit down and play the game so i thought oh like gosh. oh okay i'll that do sounds it sounds like and a great game yeah <laughs> i love partaking in snacks <laughs> that's good Another game that I was playing, similar in some ways, it's called Hypnospace Outlaw. The premise of the game is that you are a kind of an internet policeman, um, and you're out there to report illicit activity on the internet. Uh, although, it's not the internet, it's the, uh, the Hypnonet. It, it's called Hypnospace Outlaw. Is it co- it's called the Hypnonet, I believe. Watch me fuck up that I mean, facts are probably all wrong um but so it plays out like a fake like lo-fi like 90s os that you're navigating so like you have an inbox where they will send you like crimes to look for um and then and then there's like a browser where you can navigate all the hypno spaces and so there are different like subcategories of the hypnonet so there's like the cool teen space and there's like the like generic like old people space or like the enlightenment space for like spirituality and people all have their own pages on these so it's kind of like a cross between a social network and like the internet and so you just kind of you just kind of crawl through it and you can like you can search by tags and you can click around and find unlisted pages and secret stuff and just kind of poke and pry around the uh the hypnonet and look for a legal activity that you could flag and so like if you successfully report a legal activity um you receive hypno coins that you, then you can spend on really dumb virtual stuff like a virtual rabbit um and it's just like it's just this very funny 90s aesthetic where like everyone's page plays really shitty music uh, every page has a different aesthetic um, I found a page where a lady like posts her spoken word re- like recordings, and it's very strange. Um, I found Weird. many spaces where people sell like spirituality themed like desktop wallpapers and stuff, and they oh play like this ambient like Tibetan <laughs> sounding music. <laughs> uh, it is it is just like it's it's less of a game and more of like a strange ambient experience and like poking fun at just the absurdity of like 90s dial-up internet and the way that websites used to look and the way that people used to interact on the internet it's Mm -hmm. very like it's not full of like jokes necessarily but like overall the whole thing is like very funny because it's like a very tongue-in-cheek portrayal of like the way that the internet used to be and in many ways still is uh with like for instance you're one of the things you're assigned to do is like flag specific instances of harassment and like harassment on the internet is is very much still a real thing this game is very much like an all ages like family friendly game so the harassment you encounter is like you kind of have to enter a different headspace like it's not like it's not like the far right harassment you'd see on the internet today. It's like, it's hey, like butthead. Yeah, and so you kind of have to, to like, with your head, like with your brain, like dive into the world of the game and kind of figure out like, if this guy called this guy like an asshole, like is that harassment? And like in this game space, like it, it is because there's like a different layer of what's bad in this game, like. 
another thing that you can flag, for instance, is like shock images. And they don't show you actual shock images. They show you like pixelated things that you're supposed to infer like, oh, this is like a shock image. So in many ways, it's very wholesome, but it's also like trying to portray like internet culture and the darkness of it. It's it's very strange. It's like a very pleasantly aesthetic game, but it's also about a very dark subject matter. Um, mm -hmm. Overall, it's just very odd, and I I like it. <laughs> it ha I, the music is really uh, one of the one of the big selling points for me. Is like, it, like if there was no music in this game, it would be very different. But like, I can go to a web page where they're selling like hot dogs, and they're like advertising their hot dog <laughs> business, and it'll play a funny like hot dog rap, and it's like, oh yes, I'm very much enjoying this. <laughs> that sounds super fun. Yeah. Wait, did you say a web page that's selling hot dogs? Yeah, they're advertising their hot dog business. Okay, I thought you could like order them like I wish. <laughs> but but you can you can buy like digital merchandise from them, like stickers for your desktop. Like hmm. Hot dog stickers. Wow. Imagine getting like a 12 pack of hot dogs in the mail. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyone have thoughts? Anyone have thoughts on the Switch Lite? Oh, I like the colors. They're very like the cute. Colors. It reminded me of the way that the Playdate looks. Yeah. And my first thought actually was, this is a weird, like, selection of three colors, right? It was like yellow, it was like turquoise and silver. Mm-hmm. Like a gray? Yeah, that was my... Yeah. Yeah, that was my initial impression. It was like, that's very arbitrary because like this the switch has always sold itself on this red and blue color palette mm -hmm. so i just i thought it was very odd but then i saw some people doing like some side-by-side -side comparisons with the switch light and like very old handhelds like the game boy yeah the game boy color that had those same uh colors you could choose from and then i then it kind of clicked for me and i went oh okay so like they're kind of going for this retro-ish aesthetic yeah which i think is way is way cute um I, although I feel like it's sad that like, you can't connect to your TV with it, so it's just kind of like an extra large Game Boy. Yeah. To be fair, you can still play the Switch games on it, though. Yeah. But like for me, I have a Switch, so there's there's literally no point in me having that. But I mean, I guess for people wanting to get into the Switch in general and are never home to play games, it's an investment. Maybe it's only it's two hundred bucks, right? How much is like, the Switch? 300 bucks. I feel like for $100, you can play on your TV. Like, that seems... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think it just um, depends on, like, the way you use the Switch. Like, I true. have found that, like, I haven't really used it on my TV all that frequently. Mm-hmm. And I, mm -hmm. I have Breath of the Wild on it, which is kind of like the one, like, sit down and really focus up game. But the other ones, like, and I've kind of curated it to my own aesthetic, but, like, in my opinion, and, like, what I was looking for with this console was, like, I wanted to to buy and load games on it that work in a very handheld sense. So, like, today it was on sale, so I picked up Baba Is You, which is just another, like, 2D, very casual indie puzzle-solving game, and then other games I have on it are, like, Cadence of Hyrule and Civilization Six, And so, like, less of, like... 3D like action games uh and more of just like pick up and play like FTL or uh, FTL's not on the Switch I'm I'm a liar it's uh Into the Breach is the one by the same developer 
um, just like little puzzle solving games or little strategy games, uh, things like that. That's what that's how I use the Switch anyway. But the Switch also has a bunch of like you know more traditional 3D oriented games like Dark Souls, for instance. And like that's not something I would want to play on the Switch, but that's just me personally. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely not for me, but I could see a lot of people having interest in it, which is good because people are interested in the Switch, and hopefully, um. I just want them to make a beefed-up version of the Switch that they have now. I like would not be surprised if next year they released some sort of yeah. Switch. Yeah, I mean, didn't XL they do that with, like, um, they did that with, like, the 3DS, right? Yeah. Or just the DS in general. They released the DS, mm-hmm. and they released, like, the DSi. They released the 3DS. I have a 2DS my brother got for me. He said he bought me a DS, and so I was expecting it to be, like, a DS, and I was like, why is it flat? I was really confused. <laughs> oh, you have the, um, you have the, the one that doesn't fold. Yeah, it's like, it's flat. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, it's really strange. Okay, I get it. if you, it. like, tried to fold it, but you just no, snapped it? No, that would have been horrible. <laughs> I have a 2DS that does fold. I'm not sure. I think it's called a 2DS XL? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Mine's I don't, There's, like, there's like, a dozen different models of of ds um but yeah speaking of ds people have been say people have been just kind of inferring that like like what's the point of getting a ds now if like you've got the 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 switch light it seems and it's weird because like nintendo said that like it's not meant to replace the ds mm-hmm. um, and that they still want to support the ds but like they said that but also like kind of the i feel like the existence of the switch Lite counters that i i don't know would they still like come out with like other like ds games or would they just sort of like support i think like what does that mean yeah i think there are still some games that are upcoming on ds but by some i mean like you could probably count them on one finger um or on one on one hand <laughs> all of their like promotional like the nintendo directs and everything every every announcement that they make is it's all about switch games like i haven't seen them do any promotional stuff for ds games i think in at least a couple of years um but i believe that they like the the ds store is still up and running and i believe they still support the the software uh on the ds i believe it still gets updates so um, it's not like they've forgotten about it. I, like it, it just seems like they're just trying to move past it now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the Switch was like really popular. Yeah, people really liked it. Is that everything? I think so. We've talked about everything in the history of humans <laughs> on this podcast. We have not. No, we haven't. But another thing that we talked about was. Star Wars Attack of the Clones. Um, that's our podcast, Star Wars Rewatch, which you can look up to listen to our last episode, which, as I said, was Attack of the Clones. <laughs> um, what are some of the highlights of that? We talked about we talked about creepy Anakin. Yes. We talked about how George Lucas was <laughs> probably an incel. Yes. We talked about eugenics. Yes. <laughs> We talked about very creepy clones. I thought it was a very good conversation. I I enjoyed it. I'm very much looking forward to our next conversation on Star Wars Rewatch. So if you haven't heard that, go look for it. It's up on hitpointpals.com. Um, it's a separate podcast feed. 
just for clarity. Does anyone have any good words that they'd like to go out on here? No. Does anyone have I'm any sorry. thoughts and prayers? We thoughts fight prayers? because we are needed, Big Boss. Who is Big Boss? <laughs> All right. Um, Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna we're, call we're gonna it dedicate there. the that's, ne that's, next that's podcast. That's been our episode. I I we talked about Metal Gear so much on the last podcast, though. I know. And I still it, haven't gotten so the chance to, to play it yet. I have so many games I need to play. I need to go back to Bayek, and I need to I need to kill everyone in Egypt. Not that's not what I meant. I need to kill all the bad guys <laughs> in Egypt to avenge my son. Um, and I need to defeat Ganon. Um, those are both very big open world games that require many 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 hours and i still need to um i have uncovered many things in the outer wilds but i still need to make the run i don't want to spoil the game but like basically there's at to to get to the end of the game i have figured out that you need to get an object and very quickly travel across the solar system to put the object in another thing that's all i'll say um <laughs> outer wilds though <laughs> like the outer wilds like you can't talk about it because it ruins the game <laughs> it's all about exploring and discovering it is very cool i i can't talk about it i'm just i'm not going to talk about the outer wilds anymore i'll i'll finish it within the next couple of weeks and then i'll feel something other people said they felt sad when they finished it so Will you spoil it for us when you finish it no that's what i just said i'm not going to talk about it oh i thought you meant like you weren't going to talk about it until you finished it no i'm just not going to talk about it in general that's fair Hey, Caleb, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at uh, Yiddy the Meme on Twitter and Instagram. And also, if you guys want to are interested in Twitch streams, uh, I'll be on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Yeti the Human. We, we streamed Dead Space yesterday. Y yes, we'll be Travis and I will be streaming the entirety of Dead Space 3 and killing all those necromorphs on the lost necromorph island adventure game there's an island no <laughs> rebecca island. what about you um you can find me on twitter actually let me look up what my okay yeah it's r underscore markley so m-a-r-k-i-l-l-i-e and that's my that's where you can find me on twitter and then you can find me I said this already, but in case you forgot, um, you can find me on Instagram with my zine account, and that's just at zines and things. All one word, no spaces. Uh, you can find me on twitter.com at adobotime, and you can find me on the internet at travislean.com, and you can find this podcast on the internet at hitpointpals.com. Anyway. This has been Hit Point Pals. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back next week with more talk about games and why we play them and all of our critical analysis of video games, capitalism, and the world that encompasses them. So until next time. <laughs>Thank you for joining us this week on Hit Point Pals. You can find all of our episodes on the web at hitpointpals.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash hitpointpals. Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're enjoying our weekly chats, give us a shout out. Let your friends know. Hit Point Pals is a collaboration between me, Travis Lean, William Suit, Rebecca Markley, and Caleb Warwick.
Hooray. Hell yeah, we did our jobs. We did our jobs. Now people can find us and follow us, and we will become influencers. Yes. And then we we can can go go to the beach and take bikini pics. Yes. (laughs) If you guys want to, like, just sit down and laugh, um, the funniest reviews I've ever read in my entire life are on Steam under Garfield Cart. (laughs) I just want to throw that out there. There was... I just, like, I was reading through these, and it was the funniest thing I've ever done. Okay, this let's, guy has, let's see. He has 10,000 hours lost, 20,000 hours lost into Garfield Cart. No! Of, How? All he says is help. <laughs> what? <laughs> How did he do that? Is that, like, a bot or something? Does he have, like, a Raspberry Pi that's dedicated to this joke? Maybe, I, I just don't know how you can. Three thousand two hundred eighty-seven point four hours on record. Game is all right. Doesn't recognize Israel as a legitimate state. <laughs> what? One hundred fifty-two point two hours on record. My father is in prison. <laughs> That's your review for the game. <laughs> I just, my favorite one is just like the top review. It says all it says is as like. 0.2 hours on file and all it says is garf and i don't know why that was just so funny to me there's this one that's has... it's straight up just a, a, a recipe for lasagna <laughs> like an actual recipe not even a joke recipe it's just that's how you make lasagna this guy has six thousand hours recorded in the game and it says this game really makes you feel like spider-man <laughs> i just I just, this game made me fail No Nut November. Oh no. God isn't dead. Garfield is God. <laughs> I live 1000.0 hours on record. I live and shall die for the cart. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, do you have this Garfield my, Cart? I don't know, but I kind of want to buy it now. I think it would be so funny to stream. Do you think, like... Dude, if you have Garfield in your game, you're just automatically going to get ironic sales. I swear. If you ha- well, How many games have Garfield? A lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have no clue. I think it's just this I one. Just feel like, I feel like this game, in general, just like makes so many ironic purchases because i want to buy this game now yeah but then like who was the joke on who spent five dollars on garfield cart garf 